Talk Back Matters from the Salvos. It's a horrendous civil war in Syria and Open Doors share a bit about what they're doing to help those who are suffering, including one family whose kids were injured climbing over the fence at the border trying to escape. So Simon, what is the work that Open Doors is doing in Syria and are you even able to share that without it being a bit of a risk? Yeah, we can share some details, Chris. Uh, the work that we're that we're doing in Syria is working with Christians uh, who suffer the most for their faith. Open Doors supports 9,000 families in Syria through the local churches there. Uh, And remember, in a Syrian family, there could be 14, 15 people in one family. So there's a lot of people that we're supporting. And how specifically are you supporting them? Specifically through uh, food care, through uh, food parcels, through medical support, through microcredit loans, uh, through um, practical means by which we we help Christians who have lost their jobs, uh, who have been displaced, many of them are at the moment. Uh, A lot of it has to do with their faith. A lot of it has to do with the simple fact that uh, we're in a horrendous civil war in Syria at the moment. Uh, uh, Over 11 million people have been displaced. Around about 5 million people have fled the country. Can you share a particular story or two of people that you've worked with, that Open Doors has worked with, uh, as they've uh, either fled the country or uh, within the country? Yeah, Chris, well, there are two stories in particular that come to mind. The first story is of a pastor who uh, we have had quite a bit to do with. And uh, he, he said to us that we had the opportunity to flee but we chose to stay because he said when when we were looking around or all the other ambassadors of kingdoms were pulling out of this this country and uh, the ambassador of the UN, the ambassador of the UK, he said, if I leave, what hope is there for my people? And he said, you know, I, I, my family I live in a place that is very, very near to, to the activity of ISIS and I have three young daughters I kiss them, I give them a hug, I read them Bible stories before bed at night. But every night we pray together and I say to them, I say, girls, in the middle of the night, maybe tomorrow, at any time, if ISIS comes, if our enemies come tonight, uh, they could hurt us, they could kill us, there could be a lot of blood, could be a lot of pain. But very soon we'll be with the Lord in heaven. Wow. How can we even begin to understand what life is like for those people, huh? No, we can't. We can't. But you know what? We can do something about it right where we are. We can pray for them. We can never underestimate the power of prayer. No, that's right, Chris. As Brother Andrew himself says, our prayers can go where we cannot. And with all the people that are fleeing the country, you said that there was a particular story you had of a family who were fleeing. Yes, there's a story in particular that comes to mind. Is a story of a, a, a young family, young husband and wife. Uh, they had very small children. I think one of the children was, was uh, only a toddler, uh, rushing, stumbling over each other, over thousands and thousands of other people uh, between the Syrian and Lebanese border. Uh, and they found that um, as they were climbing over um, the fences to get into the to the other country, uh, that there were there was this uh, very sharp barbed wire on the other side that they didn't see. I think Dad and Mum got through okay, but uh, two of the younger children were quite 
severely cut by the barbed wire, had gaping wounds on mm. their legs, on their sides, and uh, you know they were bleeding all over the place. And the parents were afraid that these the, the beautiful young children might actually bleed to death right there. There were still other people climbing over them. So in the midst of that turmoil of, of bodies and people and blood, uh, they got together and they prayed and they said, Lord, please deliver us. Lord, please give our young children medical supplies. We know that uh, we're right down the back of the line. There's hundreds, maybe even thousands of people uh, ahead of us waiting in line for medical supplies. Lord, please, please help us. And miraculously, they, they said, look, we can't explain it, but, but uh, we, we managed to to get our children, ourselves and our children up to the front of where the medical supplies were and we received medical help and our children were bandaged up and, and they looked after and the Lord miraculously provided. Wow. Isn't that incredible? An incredible testimony. Yeah. One of the frightening things is with all the immigrants fleeing into other countries and being received into other countries, the extremists using that as an opportunity to get into the country as well. Certainly there is fear, and the fear is well-founded. But, uh, you know, we do have a history, we know this, that there is a history of um, extremists who are actually using people's fear, using the panic. Extremists have actually, you know, found ways into into our country, into other countries, uh, through the panic, through the fear, and through the turmoil of a refugee situation. Uh, this, this situation uh, in Syria at the moment is actually the worst uh, refugee crisis since World War II. So yes, we're all afraid. Uh, we're all concerned. You know, we're all, um, I guess, our hearts are beating much faster for, for many, many different reasons. But it is encouraging that, that uh, I think that there's a, a tide in the Australian culture that is shifting. Uh, people are developing more compassion. We've heard recently that the Australian government has been willing to take in 12,000 refugees and to commit $40 million to to the crisis. So I, I do find that even though, yes, we are afraid and a lot of our fear uh, is is founded on, 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 on facts, yes, these things do happen. Extremists do find ways to get in. Uh, but also, too, it is encouraging to see the, the Australian people are responding more compassionately. So what can we do here, Simon? What can we do for these people? Yeah, well, Chris, uh, as we were talking about earlier, prayer is our most valuable commodity. As I've been thinking through this issue, how can we pray? A few ideas come to mind. Firstly, we can pray that every gun that is pointed uh, at a child uh, misfires. We can pray that uh, every food parcel that is distributed to the thousands and thousands of hungry people would have the hands of Jesus over each one so that uh, it would be distributed and be multiplied in the same way that the, power, that the story of the 5,000 was multiplied <laughs> through uh, the five loaves and two fishes. We can pray, finally, that uh, every plot to kidnap Christians, uh, every concept that is birthed to try and uh, kidnap and sell young girls into sex slavery, every concept is, is like that that's put together will be foiled. That the people that um, smuggle you know, young girls and women into sex slavery will actually be brought, brought to justice. 
uh, our God is a God of justice, a God of peace, a God of reconciliation, that we would pray that every family member that has been displaced, every child that has lost its mum or its dad somewhere in the horror of all this, every pastor that's been kidnapped would be reconciled with his family. That's Simon from Open Doors. Their website is opendoors.org.au. Light and Life, the Salvo's weekly radio show.